eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. We are back at it again. Welcome into Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my partner John Heyman. We're going to do things a little bit differently uh, this week with playoffs literally right around the corner. We decided to to highlight some of our favorite storylines. Uh, throughout the year. Remember, you can follow myself at, on Twitter at Tony Gwynn Jr. You can follow John at John Heyman. And, and now this show, you can follow it on Twitter. Follow us at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. John, uh, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Tony? I'm looking forward to our I'm good doing- Yes, absolutely. Big guest today, uh, Yankees general manager Brian Cashman will join us. Uh, I, I have some mixed feelings about it. He, he ruined my pop's chance to win his one world title in 1998, <laughs> but I have since uh, gotten over it and really uh, a, a, appreciate the work that Brian Cashman does. So we're, we're definitely looking forward to having him on. Uh, playoffs right around the corner, John. Um, can we start with my Padres? They clinched their first playoff spot in 14 years, uh, taking down the Seattle Mariners in extra innings. Uh, this team was picked uh, to be kind of the surprise team. Not only have uh, they they follow suit with the season they have, but I think they've been a little better than uh, a lot of people even expected. Yeah, fantastic job. Congratulations to Tony and all the Padres fans and all of San Diego out there. Been a long time coming since 2006, and uh, A.J. Preller and the rest have to take their hat off. Fantastic job. Um, great at the deadline. Sometimes people think we make too much of the de- out of the deadline, but uh, he's done a fantastic job there. Trevor Rosenthal has really beefed up that bullpen. Um, Clevenger brought him that ace that, uh, that he needed. Um, you know, they got the catching uh, all squared away with a little more offense in there. Uh, Mitch Moreland, the hitter, and uh, he did great, great work in the winter, too. Uh, uh, obviously, Grisham's been very good, but Cronenworth, I mean, he, he you mentioned it last week, uh, NL Rookie of the Year, and uh, I threw in uh, Sixto Sanchez, but uh, I think you're going to be right. I think Cronenworth's going to be the Rookie of the Year in the National League. And uh, when that trade was made, uh, nobody 
even mention his name. I didn't remember hearing it. And uh, sometimes, uh, you know, the ones you don't hear about are the ones that make the biggest difference. So good job by the Padres and uh, congratulations to you in particular, Tony. No, I appreciate it. Just, just, just to show you how off the radar Jake Cronenworth was. I remember going into spring training uh, for the first few games before everything got shut down. And uh, we went in with the storyline being he was a two-way player. He could pitch a little bit. He had pitched in the minor leagues and he was a good defensive player. Like that, him being as good as he is offensively was completely off of everyone's radar and that was among some of the moves that A.J. Preller made that solidified this team. But I don't think the Padres are in the spot they are in without two guys. Uh, obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr., who has cooled off a little bit uh, since his uh, electric start. But more importantly, Manny Machado. He signs the big deal last year. And, you know, by his standards, maybe he struggled a little bit. I would argue he was pretty much right at his normal uh, statistics. But... This year, he's been exceptional. And to me, I think he's kind of surpassed Fernando Tatis Jr. in terms of uh, a chance at the MVP. But I really don't think the Padres are are in the position they are without them. Now, the team that is a possibility that they could be facing off against, and I think this is probably one of the best storylines of the year, is the Miami Marlins, John. And we had Don Mattingly on earlier this year, and he or should we say at the beginning of the season and he told us he felt like his team could compete and I think both of us heard him but it kind of went in one ear out the other not really believing what he says but here they are uh at, with a chance at right now at the five spot in this playoff seating uh with a chance to to get in the playoffs and with some of their young starting pitching they got a chance to maybe surprise some folks Amazing. Yeah, I, I didn't think uh, I didn't believe it either. Obviously, his players listened more carefully than we did. I know you and I were on the same page on that one. He was just talking and uh, it was, a t- you know, they've had an interesting and difficult season. It's amazing that they're in the position that they're in right now. As we speak now, uh, it's a gauntlet. They've got seven games left, four against Atlanta, three against the Yankees. So no guarantees. They're in good position. They can are to be congratulated for that. I know their PR Staff is working overtime, sending everybody emails, telling everybody what a great story it is. And I, I for me, it's overkill. I kind of know that. I'm kind of focused on them. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, for some people, maybe it's a revelation. I, I don't know. But it's a great story. And uh, people, nobody can say we're a jinx because everybody we've had on, I think, is in the playoffs, right? Uh, we had Dusty Baker on. We had Aaron Boone. Not that the Yankees weren't going to be in the playoffs. Uh, Dusty's still got a little bit of, of work to do, but he's going to make it. Obviously, Dave Roberts. But Mattingly is the uh, is the is the one. Uh, if they make the playoffs, I, I say we're a good luck charm. I'm, I'm going to we're going to take the credit for this one. I don't know. It's an amazing story. It really is. We should have zero problems booking anybody moving forward. I mean, exactly. we, we've left out Jake Tingler, Jace Tingler, who we also had on. So every right. single manager we've had on has, has, at this point, looks like they're going to be in the playoffs. So uh, hopefully that goes a long way in booking, <laughs> booking guests <laughs> moving forward. Uh, how about the Indians? Because uh, this is a, an interesting one. They they seem to, at the beginning of the season, or really during the offseason, be signaling that maybe it was time to start rebuilding a little bit. Not necessarily rebuilding because you still have Lindor, you still have Ramirez, but it seemed like they were kind of taking their foot off the gas. But uh, despite that, and despite 
uh, a few members of their club kind of putting everybody at risk. They maintain uh, their winning ways and, and, and are in the thick of it as well, John. Yeah, I saw them as a playoff team. They 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 do better at developing pitchers than any other team. I, I'm not sure what their secret sauce is, but wow, fantastic. And they were able to trade Kluber, and I, I didn't think they would really miss a beat. Um, and, and have they had Bieber, obviously, uh, was an all-star MVP. You had Clevenger at the top of that rotation. Also at the time, uh, Plesak, extremely talented. Savali, another one. And they just keep on coming. Uh, they they do a, a fantastic job of, of developing pitchers. So uh, they stay in every game by keeping that score down. And, uh, you know, uh, they're a team that uh, ultimately has to keep their eye on the, the dollars and, uh, you know, use the – uh, you know, I don't know if it was because of the keeping on the dollars or because of the stepping out in Chicago. Uh, it might have been a combination, but uh, trading Clevenger, not many teams could have absorbed that one. Uh, and, but they had the rotation to do it. Obviously, Clevenger's a star. He's helped San Diego. Uh, great pitcher, and he's going to be there another three years at least. So uh, I don't, uh, San Diego did a good job, but. Uh, Cleveland, they know what they're doing to be in there every year with the rev limited revenues that they have. I, I got to give them credit. Yeah, they certainly are a model for teams that may not have the the, the payroll depth that they want, but uh, still want to find themselves competing. Cleveland, I think, is is the gold standard for that at this point. Uh, let's talk some Blue Jays because uh, they were – Kind of like the outs, the dark horse pick to get into the playoffs. And um, it seems like they may be ahead of schedule in making the playoffs. But this is a young team with a bright future. Uh, this team is, is is another one, another good storyline that's that's been exciting to kind of watch and develop over the year. Yeah, and they've had it tough, too. They obviously lost their home. They've had to play out of Buffalo, which uh, people, I mean, it's not just saying a minor league park. It is a minor league park. They've redone it. And it's uh, it's played fine. I mean, it's obviously kind of a hitter's park, but uh, that that fits them. And uh, you know, they're they're going to be in those in the playoffs. And uh, give Charlie Montoyo credit; it's not been an easy year. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, Bichette was out for a long time, and Nate Pearson, their young pitcher, uh, their closers, um, all of them have been out at different times. Uh, Giles, we haven't seen him. I don't think we are going to see him. Uh, so they've had injury problems. They don't have a home and uh, they're going to be in the playoffs. So uh, I give them credit. Their future is better than their present, though. Uh, I don't think it's going to be their year. Of course, in the uh, in this season, who the, who knows? Who the heck knows uh, who's going to come out of this? But uh, we think, you know, they're probably a long shot in the playoffs this year. But uh, certainly Bichette's a, a superstar in the making and uh uh, Vladdy, uh, I think he hasn't tapped his potential yet, and uh, uh, they're going to be a, a great, at least a great lineup for years to come. And give him credit for signing Ryu. A lot of people shy away from those big pitching uh, uh, dollars for free agents, but uh, you know that one looks like a good one. If people thought that was an overpay, that one looks like an underpay to me. Yeah, that one was the the signing that made you realize, okay, they're they're actually serious about. Uh, how they feel about this young talent. And, you know, you look at the year they've had in terms of, of how difficult it's been. They're almost, in some ways, I feel like they were almost built for for the, the kind of season they had, right? You lose your home. Only a young roster would just keep plowing through and, and not really worry about, you know, not being where they're supposed to be. So uh, I find I find this Toronto Blue Jays, 
the Ronald Blue Jays team, a very uh, interesting uh, team. Let's talk some White Sox. Um, this was this is to me the mirror image of the Padres, only in the American League, uh, managed by by Ricky Renneria, who I think is a terrific uh, manager. Uh, they got a lot of young talent, and they're actually living up to that young talent. They're first in the Central right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, huge talent. Uh, Luis Roberts in a little bit of a slump. Is going to be a superstar. I, th- I think uh, Kyle Lewis would probably beat him out for Rookie of the Year at this point. But uh, fantastic uh, defensive and offensive player. Aloy Jimenez, a great threat. Uh, Abreu, to me, he's the MVP. I, we can have that debate another time, maybe next week. But uh, I think he's the MVP. Anderson, he's got a case for it as well. Uh, they've got two excellent catchers. So, uh, you know, you got a shortstop and second baseman hitting uh, in the, you know, around the 350 range. That's that's a pretty good sign. Um, and their pitching has been a lot better than people would expect. If you look at the stats, they're they're in the top four or five in the league in pitching, which nobody would have thought of. The Keuchel signing, speaking of free agent signings, that was a good one. Uh, he had a little bit of a back thing just coming back now, but uh, that's a good one. Giolito with a no-hitter. I mean, uh, you know, they've set it up to time it to make the trades and the free agents – uh, and do all that when their top prospects were coming up. And, uh, you know, I give them credit. They've done a nice job. And to make that trade with the Cubs, it's not easy to do. They gave up their uh, one of their best players in Jose Quintana at the time and came away with two very good players, including Cease and uh, Jimenez and some other prospects. So uh, they made some great trades. Um, you know, their drafts have been okay. Sometimes they hit. They have some huge hits in the draft and some misses, but their trades and their signings have been uh, very good, and uh, uh, they look like a, a very tough team right now, and uh, certainly they could win it all. Man, where would they be if they still had Fernando Tatis Jr. on that <laughs> roster right now? I know I know, White Sox fans are probably kicking themselves. We out here uh, love it. So uh, I, I got to say this, this that you mentioned, to me, I think you hit on the most important part, John, and that was – uh, the starting rotation. They have, uh, you mentioned Cease, you mentioned Keiko. They have a veteran, you mentioned Giolito, they have a veteran uh, pitching staff that I think could bode well, especially come postseason. Um, this team could be some could be a very, very dangerous team. All right, let's kind of move to some storylines where things haven't necessarily gone as well as maybe uh, they, it was thought to have gone at the beginning of the season. We'll start with the Brewers, Yelich. Having, I mean, listen, it's only 60 games or it's almost 60 games, but uh, he's having a bad year. He's hitting 215 right now. And the funny thing about or the irony in this, I should say, is that at the beginning of the season, he actually talked about, you know, the fact that in a 60 game season, there are going to be guys that uh, have a bad year that you're, you're used to seeing have good years. And it just so happens that he's one of those guys this year. The Brewers not out of the picture here, still in the hunt for that last uh, playoff spot. But this team has struggled this year. Yeah, that was something that he is the one who said it, and he is the guy that you would point to as having the atypical season. A fantastic hitter batting two fifteen as we speak now. Their offense has just not been very good at all. And they've just gotten outscored early in games. And, um, you know, they have a – Fantastic bullpen uh, with Hayter at the end and uh, the rookie having that fantastic year as well with a changeup. Uh, he's been incredible, um, you know, uh, and they've had 
great starting pitching at the top with uh, Burns and Woodruff. It's just basically been the offense has really not come together. Braun is starting to hit, which is interesting. And we'll see if uh, he was kind of seemed kind of nostalgic there and his uh, potentially his uh, final game in Milwaukee. But, uh, you know, he's showing that he still has something left and uh, can play next year, whether it's Milwaukee or maybe more likely an American League team next year. But uh, uh, they're, they're still in it, as you said, and it looks – Thankfully, like we may not have a team below 500 in the playoffs because uh, there are three teams exactly at 500 vying for that eighth spot. And if uh, uh, the winner of those uh, teams finishes above 500 and Philly stays at 500 or better and Miami does, Miami's got that tough schedule that we talked about. uh, Thankfully, we'll have no losing teams in the playoffs in the National League. And I think the American League, same way. You've got Houston as the one team. Uh, that's just a little bit above 500 that's likely going to be in the playoffs, but they could hang in there too. So I, I didn't want to see any teams below 500 make it. Uh, and I, I, I think it's very likely at this point that we will not have losing teams in the playoffs. And uh, Milwaukee, uh, to me, uh, they should be a playoff team. They've overachieved, I thought, in the past. Uh, this year, I think they're underachieving a little bit. Yeah, the interesting thing about the Brewers also is the fact that going into the year, you thought that the pitching would be the issue for them. Their offense would have to carry them. As you mentioned, it's been it's been quite the opposite. Uh, I guess we can't have a storylines of, uh, of, I guess, disappointment without bringing up the New York Mets. Uh, there's been a lot of bad things coming out of there, including losing Tom Seaver uh, a, a few weeks ago. Uh, I guess one of the good things is that the team has been sold to, or is in the process of being sold to Steve Cohen. And but on the field, this team um, I think has been disappointing. There were some people who had this team picked to win the East, um, and they're another team that's not out of it, still fighting for one of those last few spots. But it, it has been a season, another season of disappointment. I think they are underachieving, no question about it. I mean, you can slice it any way you want, but. Uh look at that offense that they have and the years that they're having. I know Alonzo's not having anything like the year that he had last year, but uh, McNeil has come around. Uh, Do- Dominic Smith is a, is a star at this point. J.D. Davis can hit. Um, you know, they have an excellent offensive team. Uh, they certainly have good names in the pen. Diaz has come around. They have uh, possibly the best pitcher in the game. I think a lot of people would say that he is. And DeGrom, um, Right now, they need a miracle to make the playoffs. I mean, uh, you know, they have to go 7-0 and and watch other teams lose. It's not not very likely uh, at this point. So uh, this year has been a major disappointment. Other than Steve Cohn, as you said, being in the process of buying the team, I think the fans are pretty excited about that. We'll talk about that more on the insider corner. Okay, let's go uh, to the Reds. This is a team um, many had as one of the dark horses in the National League. Uh, And they've started to play a little bit better. They're hanging on to that eighth spot right now. Trevor Bauer is certainly having a Cy Young campaign uh, for himself. Uh, But this is also a team I think a lot of people, you know, thought would be in a different position than the eighth spot. Uh, What's your take on their storyline this year? Yeah, I feel like they've underachieved too. And it's not just because I picked them to win that division, but uh, they have the talent. They have that top three. People are citing that top three. uh, with Bauer, Castillo, and Gray um, as a reason they could be a threat in the playoffs. I mean, look, they just have not played that well. I, I personally don't think they're they're playing the way they're playing. I don't see them as a major threat in the playoffs. 
Uh, they certainly have a good chance to get in, but uh, to me, uh, it's been other than Bauer and a few others, it's been a disappointment for the Reds. Yeah, offensively in that ballpark, I think people expected them to be able to put up some runs. Uh, they haven't done that often, and it has really relied on on those three starting pitchers to get it done. They can be dangerous. We've seen the Nationals pull this off. Uh, not necessarily look that great during the regular season. Find their way in, and all of a sudden, those 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 three the three headed horsemen take over and can really guide the series in a different direction. All right, let's talk about these last two uh, Astros Dodgers. We'll start with the Astros. This year, I think was could have been a gift to the Astros based on the pandemic, not having to do deal with fans uh, beating on trash cans or talking about trash cans all year long. They kind of avoid that because of the pandemic. But this team has still run into some issues, especially on the injury front. This hasn't been the season I think the Astros thought they could have. Yeah, well, the Verlander injury now, and you know that he'll need Tommy John. He's out for this year and presumably next year as well. Uh, uh, that just uh, you know really effectively ends their chances. They probably will sneak into the playoffs, but uh, nobody can see them getting through that playoff gauntlet without uh, a Verlander. Um, I mean, Fromber has done a nice job uh, in the rotation, Valdez. Um, you know, they've had some pleasant surprises, but, uh, you know, I, I thought they would struggle. Fans are no fans. I was there in spring training before the pandemic hit. Um, you know, they had really lost their mojo. Um, they were pretty downcast. Um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, they, they weren't cocky <laughs> at all. They were, they, they, they felt like a team, uh, that was hurting. And I think, uh, the other teams have just, uh, shown what they think of them, you know, uh, not just Joe Kelly, but I think the other teams are not like speaking of them or, uh, you know, I know you're not supposed to be probably fraternizing in a pandemic anyway, but I, I think they're getting the cold shoulder from everybody. And I think it's probably affecting them. Uh, Springer has come around. Bregman's obviously a good player. Boy, Altuve, I think he's been hurt. Um, it's not been himself, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't, expect them to be great this year. Um, I'm not shocked that the A's uh, are winning that division, but, uh, you know, I, 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 to me, this is what the expectation I had a very, uh, very mediocre season for, for Houston. Yeah. Uneven at best for the Houston Astros. Let's move to the Dodgers who seemingly just keep the party going with themselves. They've won seven straight divisions, uh, looking like it's going to be eight straight after this year. Um, I don't know what the storyline was pretty much what the storyline has has kind of played out for the Dodgers this year. Uh, They seemingly are on track to possibly get to a World Series this year. Yeah. And everybody they bring up turns out to be great. Somehow they do. It's amazing. Developing pitchers, they develop uh, everything. And everybody who comes up uh, does a fantastic job. And uh, look at this year. I mean, uh, May has been outstanding. Uh, he came in and started that first game for Kershaw, who has been himself, as it turns out, in the end. Uh, Gonsolin has been terrific, and all this yeah. enabled them to trade Stripling, and they came up with a great prospect uh, for Stripling in Kendall Williams. So uh, he may be another great one they'll have in the pipeline. Gavin Lux, who didn't make the team for whatever reason out of spring training number two, uh, he can hit. He just did a 453-foot home run the other day. Will Smith, a cat, young catcher, he's he can hit, hit great. He can hit. Yeah. I'm not sure what he doesn't play every day. That would be my one 
comment, and maybe I should have asked Dave Roberts when we had him last week, uh, you know, why, I mean, Barnes is a, is a nice backup, but uh, Will Smith, uh, to me, is a, a star. Uh, I mean, it's a team of stars, and uh, the expectation is that they win the World Series. That's been my expectation from the start, and uh, that has not changed. Yeah, storylines of 2020. Some have gone as planned, some hasn't. Uh, John, let's roll right into Inside Corner. Got a lot to cover here. Let's start with uh, Rob Manfred. He has expressed his like for expanded playoffs. Does that mean we're talking about 16? It seems a little much to me. Yeah, you're right, uh, Tony. Uh, everybody's kind of assumed when he's been quoted in different places saying he likes the expanded playoffs that we're talking about the 16 that we're using this year. This is an unusual season, obviously, uh, the pandemic year. Hopefully things get back to normal. We pray that they do next year. Uh, their proposal previously had been for 14. So I, I think that's what he's talking about, 14 teams. And I, I myself think 16 are too many teams. Uh, I don't like the idea that there's a good chance a team with a losing record gets in. As we talked about, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like we're going to escape that this year. If Houston hangs in there uh, and they're just a little bit over 500 as we do this, and in the uh, National League, you've got three teams right at 500. So, uh, and with only one of them likely to get in, um, it looks good that we're going to avoid that. But normally, if you have 16 teams, more than half the teams making it, you're going to have a team under 500 in the playoffs. And uh, I, I think that they'll they'll be happy with 14. So uh, all everybody who's been out there getting all upset about the 16 and the potential of the expanded playoffs forever, uh, I think we do have that. We do. We, I think 14 are likely. I don't think it'll be 16. So I think that's uh, good news all around. I feel okay with 14. I'm a traditionalist, but uh, I can live with it and I understand it. The teams are losing money this year. I don't think there's any question about that. And they're going to try to make it back a little bit. And they wanted to do the 14 any before we even heard of pandemics. So um, I think that that's the likelihood, 14 teams going forward. Well, thank you, Rob Manfred, for not thinking 16. I just think uh, it plays out to be too many teams. And as you said, you run the risk of having teams that are under 500. That looks that doesn't seem as bad in the 60-game season, but it seems a lot worse in the 162-game season where you have teams – that are under 500 making the playoffs. So hopefully 14 is the max. I'm op- I'm open to expansion of the playoffs. I think it 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 attracts more fans. It makes it a, a more exciting uh, time of year. But there is a line where you can go over and, and be too much. Let's talk a little bit about some injuries uh, updates we got going around the league, particularly Bryce Harper and, and Rio Muto for the Phillies. Yeah, I mean these are their two best players. They are the two key guys, and obviously. Uh, we've been on here talking about uh, Real Muto being day-to-day um, in the past, and he hasn't been back. And that was a week ago when we talked about right, day-to-day. Right. Uh, they think Real Muto probably will be back tomorrow, which is Tuesday, so we will see. Uh, people who listen to this later in the week will find out if that was correct or not. And Harper has that lower back situation, which always sounds dicey. You never know, but he has told people that he feels okay. He's going to be all right, so – they think either tonight or tomorrow for Harper as well. And it's important for the Phillies. They're, they're not uh, automatically in. They're in right now, but they're not automatically in. They're fighting like uh, about six other teams in the National League right now. So it, it is crucial. But the, the news appears to be good on Real Muto and Harper. 
Yeah, they, they, they're going to need those two guys. Those are pretty important pieces for that Philly team. I think this the last three days of the season has uh, has the chance to be epic in terms of teams switching spots, seeding switching spots. Uh, you have to pay pretty close attention, I think, over the last three, three, three or four days to see who's going to fit in with those final spots. Now, inevitably, when we get to this time of year, uh, conversations for the following season start to come up. So we got a lot of ground to cover. Let's start with the uh, Minnesota Twins and Nelson Cruz. What are you hearing on that front? Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing that he wants to be back. I, I think it's kind of even come out that uh, people are saying he wants to be back. But, of course, his agent is doing his job and saying, well, we'll see about that. We don't, we don't know because there's no deal yet. But uh, the belief is <clears throat> he's done so well there as a 40-year-old, incredible uh, you got to give the guy uh, credit. Um, so I, we think he would like to come back. Uh, you know, can you can a forty year old get a two year deal? I, I guess it's possible. He got one year in an option as a thirty eight year old, but uh, he's even better now. So uh, you know, I I, I think that uh, you know potentially he might even get a two year deal. I don't know. We we'll, we we shall see. But uh, I, I I see him going back to the Twins. I, I'm sure other teams will be trying, especially if we have. The DH in every uh, in both leagues, uh, his value may go up even further. But uh, you know, he may be the first forty-year-old uh, with a with a multi-year contract. Nelson Boomstick Cruz is one of the uh, best people I've had a chance to play with, and I, it, it's it's exciting to see him having this kind of success this late in his career. I uh, hope nothing but the best for, for him moving forward. Uh, let's talk New York Yankees, and we'll have a chance to to ask Brian Cashman about this here in a little bit. But what are you hearing in terms of decisions on Paxton, Tanaka, and Gardner? Yeah, we'll see what uh, Brian Cashman has to say. My understanding, not a shocker, they want to bring LeMahieu back. Uh, of course, their fans wouldn't stand for it if they don't. Uh, fantastic signing, two years, $24 million, and uh, obviously that price is going to go way up, and the length is going to go up too. Uh, but they're going to have to do their best to bring him back, and I'm sure that they will. And my understanding is he wants to be back too. Uh, I haven't talked to him directly, but uh, so I think there's a pretty good likelihood of that. Tanaka has been everything you could have asked, and fantastic in the postseason. That seven-year, $175 million commitment is up. Uh, but I think the fact he's so good in the postseason – means they would like to bring him back as well. And then Gardner, while he's not having his usual year even close, I mean, his if you look at the analytics numbers, they look a little bit better than the actual numbers. Uh, and he's such a great Yankee, and he said he wants to come back. Uh, they, of course, will not uh, pick up his option, which is $10 million. They'll buy him out. But uh, I think if they bring him back for half of that or so, uh, he will be back. As far as Paxton goes, obviously that's not a priority at this point. I, I think he is likely out for the year. We'll see what Cashman says about that. But, uh, you know, I, you know, they would consider it at, at, a, at a low price. Uh, uh, Paxton, unfortunately for him, had bad timing with his injury this year as a free agent now. That has been one of the – tougher parts about this 2020 season. A lot of injuries this year. A lot of guys who had a chance to 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 capitalize on a good year miss out on that and will enter free agency going and injured, which is, is never good for any of these players. We're going to end with the New York Mets here in a little bit uh in terms of in terms of this inside corner, but player options. You, you got some options, uh player slash team options uh out there. What are you hearing on on those fronts? 
Yeah, there's a lot of guys with uh, player options that we don't always uh, talk about. We talk about free agents, but uh, player options are a big deal. And uh, here are the ones I think will be picked up uh, on my list. Uh, Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo, obviously $14.5 million with the Cubs. They will obviously pick that up and might even try for an even longer deal. Uh, Moreland over there with San Diego is valuable at the trade deadline. He's valuable now. Uh, he's got a very reasonable option, I think, at $3 million, so uh, they will pick that up as well. Uh, I think the no options pick pickup would be a Gardner, as I just mentioned, at $10 million. They're not going to pick that up, but they'd like to bring him back. Uh, and I think uh, D. Gordon, $14 million. Seattle's not going to pick that up. Colton Wong, $12.5, will not pick uh, that up. Uh, leak at 18 million with a 5 million buyout. Uh, they'll buy him out. He opted out this year. That's not the reason, but uh, they will buy him out. Brand hand, five, 10 million. I, I think they won't pick it, that up. And in, in Cleveland, he's pretty solid pitcher. Uh, that one's a little bit closer than many of the others, but I, I, I would guess that they will not. We'll see. Uh, Braun uh, has a 15 million mutual option. The mutual option never works out. So uh, never, <laughs> never. So it's a 4 million buyout, but I think he can still keep playing. He's a pretty good player. He'll play there or somewhere else. And uh, two more that will be picked up. I didn't mention earlier. I think the Marlins will pick up Kinsler, who's their closer 4 million. That's a bargain. Uh, they could pick him up and trade him if they like. Um, they got a lot of pitchers. We'll see if they do that. Marte, they love the guy. 12.5 million. Not cheap, but uh, I think they picked that up. And uh, in fact, they basically said they will. Uh, they, they've traded for him. They've given up pieces for him. Uh, and so I think they will pick that up. And I think they'll keep him. Someone might guess they're going to trade him, but I think they like him so much they're going to keep him around. Yeah. Well, hopefully it works out for those teams and those players in terms of those options. All right, let's end the insider inside corner uh, with this New York Mets. They seemingly have a buyer. Now it's up to the votes. Will Steve Cohn have the votes to, to get this thing passed? Yeah, I think he will. I think he will. I think Jerry Reinsdorf is going to be a no. Uh, he has come out and given a statement that he's going to consider it like he does with everybody else, but uh, he's been an often no vote. In fact, he got Jeff Morad uh, next. Uh, yeah, he yeah, he did. To buy a team, uh, as you are well aware. Yeah, a team out there. And uh, Reinsdorf is an influential voice, but uh, it might be a lone voice here. Uh, there's one other that might vote no, but I think he'll get in. It's hard to turn it down. The Yankees will be a yes vote. I don't know if they're going to say that out loud, but that's an interesting one as they're the cross-town rival, and everybody assumes that Steve Cohn, with his reported $14 billion, and that might even be light, is going to spend wildly. I don't know if that's true or not, but he has the potential to do it. Uh, you know, he spent uh, tens of millions on artwork, and uh, people are expecting him to spend hundreds of millions on players. Uh, we don't know if that's the case. I do think he will spend more than the Wilpons have, and the Yankees will be in favor. And I think most teams are. I think it's hard to turn it down. If it turn it down, then the, the value, the, the, the franchise uh, price is going to go down. And, um, and nobody in MLB wants to see that. Um, even if Reinsdorf doesn't like the fact Cohn may be spending or doesn't like his history, obviously he did have the insider trading issue, which is a serious issue. And uh, I want to don't want to make light of that, but I think they're past that at this point. Um, 
and uh, you know they will vet him, and we'll see how he does. But it, I think he's going to make it. Uh, other notes re- related to that: Arod has uh, somebody in, uh, who's representing Arod has come out and suggesting that Arod uh, J Lo will match that if uh, Cone is not approved. And as we've said, we think Cone's going to be approved anyway. But uh, I think that's uh, just PR. You know, if it, if it's not approved, the price comes down. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to match it at that point. So, uh, and I think A-Rod's a good enough businessman uh, to know that, but uh, he's getting some good PR there. I have heard that uh, he has told people that he would have kept, uh, or will, will, if he does get the team, which at this point looks like a, a very strong unlikelihood, uh, that he would have kept Jeff Wilpon in a senior role. Not sure exactly what that role is, but uh, the guy who's likely to get the team, Steve Cohn, the Met fan from Great Neck, uh, is very close to Sandy Alderson, very close to Omar Manaya, very close to Bobby Valentine. Um, I think there's a good chance that Alderson, who's been working for Oakland the last couple of years, uh, will come back to the Mets. Um, he hasn't said that to me. I've talked to him, but he hasn't said that to me. But I, I do think that uh, his relationship with Cohen is such that uh, there's a good chance he will come back. Uh, they still will need to settle the GM situation. Um, you know, it's just it's happening now. We don't know uh, that Steve Cohn's the guy, but uh, my guess is that uh, well, Brody Van Wagen has done some good things. They won a lot of games last year, made a nice comeback last year. Uh, some of the deals have worked out. Uh, my guess is that he probably will pick his own guy, whether it's immediately or a year later. Uh, I couldn't swear to it. Uh, oftentimes, the new owner uh, gives the GM uh, a little bit of time, but. Uh, I think the inclination would be to make a change there. And uh, uh, let's face it, Brody Van Wagen was a fantastic agent, uh, getting some incredible contracts. So uh, we're not going to take up a collection for him or feel sorry for him. But uh, I would say that there's a a pretty decent chance that uh, uh, the the regime change uh, happens at GM. And we're going to talk to to Brian Cashman and ask him about whether he could be a candidate uh, for that job as well. Yeah, yeah. Before we get to Brian, uh, yes, let's let's say that Van Wegenen uh, definitely has a good fallback plan should uh, he not re- be retained as a GM. Uh, the other thing you mentioned, Sandy Alderson, how's his health doing? Uh, he seems to be fine. I, it seems to be all all good. Uh, certainly, very serious scare with cancer, and um, you know, led to partly to him stepping down as the general manager of the Mets, um, and. Um, Seems like he is in fine health. I'm glad that you asked that. And uh, that's great news because he is a fantastic individual and a great baseball man. And uh, it's great to great to have him around. Uh, and one last comment. You, you mentioned uh, Colin saying it's, it, the rumor being that he may spend a lot. It reminds me of the saying, you know, a, a, a boxer has a game plan until he gets punched in the mouth. I feel like all owners say they're going to spend a lot of money until they actually get into that season, to that seat. So hopefully uh, for, for Mets fans and for their sake, he, he is going to be true to that word. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about Steve Cohn is he really is playing cautiously and not talking uh, out loud other than to issue a statement when uh, uh, one of his idols, Tom Seaver, and obviously one of the greatest pitchers of all time, uh, passed away. And uh, But in terms of his uh, uh, strategies as a Mets owner, he is playing it uh, – carefully and not talking, which is probably the way to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Either way, it's if he says he's going to spend a lot, he's going to excite the fan base and 
potentially, and I don't know if this is the case, but potentially it's that the owners, if he says he's going to be cheap, he might make some of the owners feel better about him and you know, upset <laughs> right. the fan. But better to, better to be quiet and let the owners assume the best for them, which is he's not going to spend too much, and let the fans assume the best for them, which is he's going to spend like crazy. Uh, we do assume, and whatever you think of the Wilpons, obviously the Madoff situation affected them. And they've been a little bit more strapped for cash than you'd expect for a New York team. And you got a guy in there who's reportedly worth 15 billion, give or take a few billion. Uh, the expectation is he will at least spend more than the Mets have spent uh, in the previous 12 years since the Madoff situation came to light. That's going to do it for this episode of Big Time Baseball. We'll be back next week. We'll have the playoffs in order at that point. Should be a fun, fun year. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.